Welcome to the Creative Hustler Show, the podcast where we interview the best artists in the animation and illustration community, creative professionals, animators, illustrators, directors, and more. This is the show aimed at giving you, the creative professionals, the knowledge to become better at being an artist and a pro. Now, here's your host, Rodrigo Flamenco. Hi, this is Rodrigo from Frank Studio, and this is the Creative Hustler Show. Uh, today, interview is going to be very different from the past interviews that we have done so far because recently I came across something that I think is going to disrupt in the next 10 to 15 years the whole creative industry and I do believe we to the bone that the people who do not get with the program with this now are going to be at massive disadvantage in the future so somebody someone that I have here uh is really deep into this world has been for a couple of years now and he has he is the host of the non-fungible podcast which is of the nfp with decline so without any further ado uh welcome decline thank you so much for having me how are you doing pretty good so oh there is a lot to unpack over here <laughs> it's a lot of fun though it's very fascinating I never get tired of it. Definitely. And it's, it, it, to be honest, I, I'm, I'm a geek. I'm a computer I geek. I think we all like, are in uh, these circles. Yeah. <laughs> and this, like all the concepts that has to do, do with crypto mm -hmm. are really hard to pick. Like it's really hard to understand in the beginning. And mm -hmm. I know a lot of people who are very smart, very intelligent, who are also geeks as well, who are very techy, and even they have problems understanding that. So, uh, uh, this, uh, again, this, I'm trying to find a way how to explain this. So, uh, the thing that I got in touch recently was what is called NFTs or non-fungible token. Mm -hmm. Now, so far, the artists that I know, every artist that I know what they have been doing is like uh, asking for private commissions. Somebody pays money to them to do a specific piece of art and they give it away like and just and they can either give away the physical piece or just the digital print. Mm -hmm. And that's how it's been working so far. But this concept of NFT uh, completely blew my mind because the idea of being able to put like a contract or a technology that says like, okay, this digital piece that you have created, like it's an original, uh, maybe you can make a, a cop, some copies of them, or maybe you just want to make one of them for the person who hired you and you can sell it to that person and you can put in the contract there that you can get paid if that person sells it to another so you can give, get like a commission and even give a commission to other people who are involved into the project and so on. So how would you explain uh, what NFTs are for people who are just beginning artists who do not know about this? Wow. Okay. Um, if you go back in time, anything digital, digital file, it's you can copy it. You can make a perfect copy of any file that's stored on, I don't know, Google Docs or like a Word document or an image file. 
right? And so that's always been a, a problem for anyone who wanted to make something that's rare or unique in a digital format because you could just make a copy of it. And that's what the blockchain enables because of the fact that you can give it a unique identification that's signed by an artist. The artist, you know, uses their digital wallet on the blockchain. Usually it's on Ethereum, but Tezos is popular as well. Um, in fact, there are NFTs on Bitcoin as well and uh, a lot of other blockchains. But the point being that it enables you to take a single digital file that you've created and to be able to sign it with that digital address that identifies it as me. And that's what makes it unique is that it cannot then you could make a copy of it, but it wouldn't be the original, right? So just like, you know, uh, a famous artwork, say, I don't know, the Mona Lisa, you know, there's only one of it. You could make a perfect replica that people couldn't tell the difference, but there would still only be one that would actually be the original that would have value, right? And because of that, it, it brings that value to digital, um, anything digital, right and that's the thing we're talking about art but it extends pretty much to anything that can be digitized so it's it's going to be massive i mean it's already grown tremendously but there's so many possibilities for it and something that uh really strikes me is the base of the smart contract so mm -hmm. can you go a little bit uh, deep into explaining what a smart contract is for those who don't know basically a smart contract is usually it's just a set of commands that are saying, if this happens, then this happens, right? On a very simplistic level, right? And so in the case of NFTs, it's something where if a person puts forward this much Ethereum to purchase a given NFT that I'm selling at that price, uh, once that money is there, it then releases that NFT to their wallet and it's done automatically. It's not done through someone somewhere giving it permission, right? So it's permissionless. It's basically the contract is executed automatically through the programming when the conditions are met rather than waiting upon somebody to, to approve those conditions. So then again, that extends to many possibilities, it extends to legal possibilities, it extends to any kind of ownership of property where you can transfer property without having to say, for example, go to a lawyer and something that I have seen uh, recently that is popping up a lot is that uh, people are creating collections. And for those who do not know, like what usually happens uh, right now in the NFT world is that somebody wants to create a piece of art and they have like a picture and they create like a very variance of the same picture. So each picture is unique. So they start selling it. But the people who are collecting these uh, pictures can receive like some uh, compens economic compensation, you can say, uh, from the sales and businesses that are going on. So how does that happen? Because sometimes I see that they say that you're going to get like 2.5% uh, of commission from mm, the sales. I see what you're saying. Uh, well, there's a few platforms that do that, like Charge Particles is one of them, where essentially what you're doing is you're intermingling decentralized financing with NFTs. 
to the extent that what you can do essentially is bundle these interest-bearing assets into an NFT so that then if you hold that NFT, you can then gain value by holding it that's actually being paid through a decentralized uh, finance contract. So rather than, again, it's, it's another case of taking out the middleman, right? And doing financing without a bank, right? Normally you'd have to go to a bank, borrow your money, you know, or, or put your money into something which would then bear interest. And in this case, instead, the smart contract is doing that with the money that's within that tokenized asset. And so then you're paid interest for that uh, NFT holding that. That gets into some interesting stuff where, you know, I'm not a legal expert, but when it gets into stuff like securities and the SEC and all that stuff, I think there's a lot of interesting implications there, legally speaking, that maybe haven't fully been considered because you are getting into a space that's normally quite heavily regulated. So it'll be interesting to see where that goes over the next few years. Definitely. And what blows my mind is that I'm trying to, when this, this decision came to fruition, like uh, when it was born, well, it was like 2014, 2015. Uh, the idea NFTs, NFTs, you mean? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, there's some old ones because back in the day, you know, when it first was being experimented with, it was on Bitcoin itself. And of course, Bitcoin's been around since... 2010 or so 2011 i feel bad that i don't remember the exact date but anyway um <laughs> i really should know the date um so you know uh, nfts themselves didn't really spring into popularity though until you're talking like crypto kitties uh like in 2017 or so with ethereum and of course that's part of what made ethereum explode in popularity it's also part of what made ethereum struggle to uh keep up with demand um, but it was one of the first kind of major use cases for ethereum and smart contracts I see. And, uh, when did you got into this <laughs> like me personally um, yes. I started exploring crypto in 2016 and um, I spent a lot of my spare time, basically any time that I wasn't working, I was looking into this stuff. And I started learning about it. And I spent a good year just kind of learning, following it before I really delved in. And then it was probably, I wanna say mid 2017 that I started writing as a hobby. Um, I would just write about everything I was learning about crypto and uh, from that, I eventually did start writing for uh, some marketing companies. And more recently, I wrote for Cointelegraph. But keep in mind, this was after years of spending pretty much every spare moment I had just being obsessed with the stuff. So. <laughs> oh, man. Now, now I get an idea of how much I will have to go deep <laughs> into this. I, I can well, I'm not fast. a programmer. I'm not a coder. I'm just fascinated with the possibilities, with the possible, all the ways it can be applied, right? Art is the I, thing that really captured me with it, though, right? I understand you really because I'm, I'm, the feeling that I'm getting right now with NFTs, crypto games, and all that, um, the metaverse, how they are calling it now, is like mm -hmm. the same feeling I had when I first uh, stumbled into forums. 
way back <laughs> when the internet into was. sorry what into forums uh four with, rooms oh uh, explain uh pretty much there was like uh these websites were like anime forums or uh oh forums i'm yeah. sorry okay yeah. i got that sorry okay so uh when i got into this and uh everybody just have their avatar and mm -hmm. everybody was anonymous but we started getting together and pretty much got uh, i got some friendships from uh those times that i mm -hmm. still hold <laughs> people that so I is that on like there. reddit or stuff like that or no i think reddit didn't even exist back mm -hmm. then <laughs> like mm -hmm. social media didn't exist right uh it was way before facebook <laughs> and, okay and, but yeah like we, we're talking the first like the first version of the internet right uh, and obviously i stumbled into torrents and i was seeing like the internet like this free space to mm -hmm. explore and it was really exciting to kind of think how this will evolve and now obviously the internet has become corporatized and and everything mm -hmm. has been censored and and sanitized and now like this whole crypto scene is coming up and pretty much is starting to mix with all the other aspects of technology mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and i'm starting to get that same feeling of man like things are getting exciting again <laughs> well and it's kind of like when the internet was new you couldn't imagine how big it would become right like i don't know i remember you know being like why would you email somebody why not just send them a letter or phone them do you know what i mean like yep. i remember thinking that you know I remember looking at Facebook and going, what is the point of this? Like, I'll just call up my friend instead, you know? But you can't anticipate those the, all the possibilities. I I think it will transform the internet completely. Yes, the same, the, the thing I've seen, I'm thinking right now is that what the use that we are seeing with NFTs right now and how, uh, how pretty much we perceive it mm -hmm. is the same kind of feeling people got when they saw websites back in, the 97 or something like that like yeah 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 mm -hmm. he, he well, the technology is yeah the technology is still kind of early too right like if you look at how ethereum works i mean for the most part it's kind of slow you know there's issues there's problems there's barriers it's confusing right like you know think back to you know when you got on the internet in the early 2000s it was a pain in the ass yes right and you know you're like no no don't pick up the phone right and then it's like oh no i lost my connection whatever right so it's a similar thing i think you know that we're experiencing is it's got a long ways to go yeah but the, the thing is that uh when i got the feeling was that i was just getting into nfts like trying to understand uh mm. how people sold art how it was working out with this and then i got into like a stumble into crypto games and the idea a day for, say, let's say, for example, I was a huge fan of Diablo when it came out. Mm -hmm. And the idea of, man, what if that the gold that I make in Diablo, <laughs> I could actually use it in real life? Yeah, um, right. And not only that, like, each coin is worth more than the dollar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. And on top of yeah. that, that the source and armor and all the items that I get in the game, like this will become NFTs that I can sell in real life mm -hmm. too, for, or 
people who want to collect them because they were like i don't know first editions or something like that and mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or people who want just a better equipment and things like that it was are you into the wax blockchain at all uh not yet no no okay the wax blockchain there's some really interesting uh assets that you can get on there one of the bigger games on there is called hodl god and with that you can uh collect parts and then use them in the game so it's pretty wild you it's like an unreal engine like shooter type style game but you're running around with your actual assets that you own it's pretty cool yeah and this and, and the thing is that it, I, i'm trying to think like there was a point where i was going to school it uh to college and i'm a dropout, mm -hmm. dropout by the way but at the time uh there was some uh monetary issues that i had and i remember being like really stressful mm -hmm. that i wasn't able to get like a, a part-time job back then because in my country they didn't have that mm -hmm. and, and and even if they had like the uh, the class hours also were like all mixed and mm -hmm. it was completely inc incompatible with having a job and i was really frustrated like why can't you, they just like put everything in the morning or everything in the afternoon sure. or in the night like it, it should be easy why is this complicated and now that thinking like if if i had that option of being able to play a video game for two three hours a day and get enough money to pay my studies that would have changed a lot of things back then <laughs> totally well and isn't it funny when you think that is actually a possible way somebody could make an income now i mean that used to be completely ridiculous there's no way you could do that right like me for example i'm doing this zombie thing I, I make zombies i've made zombies for i've always loved doodling zombies and it was one of my more popular things when i started doing nfts right and like literally just drawing cartoon zombies and i'm laughing at them and i'm and i'm and i'm selling them and people are buying them and i'm making an income from something that's really just fun right like it's 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 not hard work it's something i just enjoy doing well the hard work is the time it does take a lot of time and you're constantly like you mentioned promoting yourself and you're having to market yourself um that's probably more the work side of it i would say is you know you've got to make all those connections because i mean yeah. you can be an amazing artist but if people don't know you at all it, they're probably not going to buy your art Definitely, and and that's uh, comes into another part of the NFT world that I'm seeing is that mm -hmm. the projects that are making the most uh, out of it, like the uh, the best performing ones, are the ones who are hard into marketing and to creating communities. Like I'm seeing, mm -hmm. uh, for example, the one that just came uh, uh, recently, Mechaverse. Uh, they have their own discord they have like they are very active in social media they were before the launch and and now people are going insane with it and and i'm seeing like the the communities that are being created around these projects and they are very united and and that is i, I think that is going to be like a very powerful filter because obviously well you know there is always someone who just wants to be an opportunist and thinks that they're just going to put whatever into into the store and that uh, people will buy it because they they see some of the art and less 
let's be honest mm-hmm. man a lot of the art over there is like oh, yeah yeah <laughs> I, I see it's i've been deep. around enough artists to know that this piece is not worth what it says <laughs> worse <laughs> But yeah, still... I know, but on the flip side, I've seen amazing artists with phenomenal work, and it's still not easy to sell sometimes, right? Like, it's I think there's this image, and it comes from these stories. You know, people read about people making sixty nine million dollars on a work of art, and they're like, "What? I can do that?" And you know, I don't need to make a million. I'll just make you know a hundred thousand. It's like that's still give me a break. That's not realistic, right? But I think a lot of people, especially when it first kind of surged in popularity, a lot of people just thought, I'll just hop on the bandwagon and, you know, make a killing, you know. And there were a lot of people who were disappointed when it turned out that it wasn't that easy. Yeah, and and I've seen some projects that people would, uh, again, they would see, for example, CryptoPunks, they would... when I show that to other people, it's like, what? People are paying this that much for this kind of shit? Like, uh, yeah, but uh, they are not seeing like the community that is behind CryptoPunks and also the historic significance. The history, yeah. yeah. Yes, it's the history in that case, right? And that's, again, the huge advantage with blockchain is that you do have that history built into it where you can look back on that and, and know when it was made, who made it, right? So yeah, it's a, it, the the when I saw the crypto points the first time, and I saw the first thing that came to my mind: ah, oh, this is like the Marilyn's that Andy Warhol did, mm-hmm. <laughs> where he had like this all, all the Marilyn's in place, and they just were different kind of colors, just different variants, right? Yeah. So that that's the the collections in NFT is like ah, oh, that makes sense to me. Or when he when I saw an art that was like. Why are people paying for these? Then I get again <laughs> the reference of Wendy Warhol, where he, he did a painting of a Campbell's. Uh, yes, Campbell's soup, soup can. can yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and it was like, and now how's that work? Like millions. <laughs> totally. And it's the same thing. It's, and and this is a, the the thing that people obviously won't see at the beginning. Like, right. why is this piece just being worth so much? And then it's because maybe something happened like the crypto punks probably were the the first ones who made it that big in the eyes of many people so that has mm-hmm. there is there are other ones before it yeah. but it was one of the first to popularize it for sure yeah, yeah definitely so uh and that history that it was it is a piece of art that was one of the first ones that made it public yeah uh that is always going to hold value uh when it comes to history mm-hmm. so yeah i think uh that's when i started to get it like mm-hmm. oh man like <laughs> uh, i think even hollywood is going to like this technology is going to mess up hollywood really bad <laughs> yeah no well no hollywood's gonna make a lot of money off of it but they do got to get on board you know it's just a matter of time they'll have to adapt to it you know it's like i was talking with um the chief marketing officer of deviant art the other day and of course deviant art's been around 20 years now 21 years and i was asking her i actually just released the episode um i was asking her so what's uh deviant art strategy with blockchain i mean you have to be you have to be thinking about this and they are they're looking at it she couldn't really say what their strategy was she couldn't i kept trying to kind of prod and go so what do you think ethereum or tezos or 
you know, and she was like, well, I can't say blah, blah, but they are looking at it. And it is, you can't just stand there and watch everything go past or you turned on, you're going to turn into like blockbuster versus Netflix. Do you know what I'm saying? Like they're going to get left in the past if they don't embrace it somehow. I feel. Yeah, I think, well, it's possible that Hollywood will implement it. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm not 100% sure because I've seen, <laughs> I've been into that world and I see like they have this prejudice against crypto because they believe like every crypto is about mining and uh, mm. they are messing up the environment and Hollywood That's has just a become, temporary problem. Yeah, That's, Hollywood has yeah. become really polarized uh, when it comes to politics and into that kind of thing. And There's lots of blockchains that aren't environmental yeah exactly I, I was, at all, I, I was so. just talking like to, to somebody and he was like no nft i don't like it because uh the climate change and all that and mm -hmm. it's like uh ethereum 2.0 is coming and that's going to knock away like sure. all mining from sure. like one day to the next mm -hmm. <laughs> I, well I and even people... layer two right now you can go on ethereum solutions that run on ethereum yeah, but they're running on separate X, layers for example right? and yeah. And they don't have anywhere near any kind of significant impact. And the flip side of that being, um, if you look at traditional art, there's a lot of environmental damage done in traditional art. When you create the art, you ship the art, you store the art, you, you know, someone buys it, you ship it across the continents to somebody else who owns it. There's a lot of carbon footprint happening there in traditional art. Definitely. I would say more on average per per artwork i would say it's more definitely and and there is also uh, this concept that i recently found as well uh the idea that you can take well you were talking about the mona lisa and mm -hmm. i see now that there are some companies that what they are doing is like putting this classic piece of art into nfts so mm -hmm. that you can hold a little bit of property of that uh, can you explain a little bit more uh, you mean like that fractional way. ownership? Yeah. That okay. Well, basically you could, you can create any number of NFTs of a given piece. Like I have some pieces that there's uh 10 of them. You could have it where there's a thousand, which means that everybody who owns one piece owns one one thousandth of that ownership of that piece, right? You can think of it two different ways. You could think of it that there's a thousand editions with a thousand owners or that it's a single piece with it's split fractionally amongst a thousand owners is another way it can be thought of right so you you it's up to the creator the person who issues the nft to determine that. most of my work i do as single pieces one of one pieces um i just like that i just like the idea of it being that there's only one of it um of course someone could in the future go ahead and make a contract that splits up that ownership between people anyway if they wanted to Right. But I personally like to create it as an individual piece. I am actually doing a collection, though. I don't know if I mentioned this to you. I'm creating because I've been doing this zombie thing since I got on, into NFTs and it was one of my more popular things. I also do other stuff. I don't just do zombies. I do uh, work with uh, a lot of uh, I try to do stuff that's beautiful as well. So I have another style I do. It's I call it cube pop because it's a mix of cubism and pop art with uh portraits and often it's of uh feminine faces uh but sometimes it's just of athletes or celebrities but what i did is i 
for a collection, I'm doing one. It's actually for Halloween this year. It's nice. going to be, uh, I'm not sure exactly what the number is going to be, but we're aiming for about 10,000 zombies. Okay. And I've created, I've hand drawn all the zombies and then I've hand drawn all the accessories. Okay. And these accessories, it's, it's a matter of chance what accessories you get. And of course, some will be more rare than others. Uh, so you might get one that has, you know, glasses, or you might get one that has uh, an axe in the side of the head, or you might get one that has, you know, a suit. You know, of course, it's a zombie, so the suit's going to not look so great. It's going to be in rough shape. But, uh, yeah, we're creating this, and with the group behind it, the team behind it that's supporting me with this and, and basically putting everything together for me on the technical side is the Koi Network. And uh, that's a company that I've been working with over the last few months. Great team. They're early stage. Um, and with them, what's happening that's kind of unique with this one, though, is that these NFTs are called atomic NFTs. Now, I don't know if any of your listeners are familiar with that, but keep it simple. Basically, most NFTs, actually all they are is an image file that's got a token that's attached to it. And the token says, okay, you own this image file. Okay. But the token is actually a separate entity from the image file with an atomic NFT. The image file itself will be stored on the blockchain permanently, not just the token ID, the actual image file. And so what's interesting about that is when people purchase these zombie atomic NFTs, I'm not sure what the name is. Maybe Atomic Zombies. I haven't decided yet. I don't know. Okay. Um, what'll happen is they can bridge that NFT to the Koi network. Okay. So they'll buy it and then they can bridge it there. And when they do, that's going to start to reveal the characteristics of the zombie. So it's kind of a mystery, like a loot box idea. What's really interesting with Koi though is... It depends on the attention that's paid to that image. So if it gets a lot of attention, the image itself can react to that attention. So it might change. Like a hat might appear after it gets so many views. So if it gets, you know, a thousand views, maybe your zombie will reveal something that another zombie wouldn't reveal. So it's just some very interesting dynamics that they're working on. The, the, what, the way that Koi does it is it's called proof of real traffic. It's basically an anti-spam technology where they analyze the traffic going to any given image on their network and you get rewarded as the artist for traffic that's driven to those images. That is insane. <laughs> it's pretty wild. So you, 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 you talk about like right. interest-bearing assets. This is literally you. If you're the owner of that image, you will get tokens for people looking at it. So if you happen to have a really cool one, you'll get more tokens from people looking at it. And, and you need a coder to do these things, right? Like oh yeah, that's <laughs> that's out on my realm. I'm I'm drawing. I'm drawing zombies. I'm drawing parts. Okay, and yeah, it's up to the technical team there. It's a great bunch of people. 
and uh, they're working our they're working on it. The goal, of course, is to get it out for Halloween. So we'll have nice. a website up soon. I don't know what the timeline of this podcast is in terms of this being released, but oh, I'm going to release this as soon as possible. <laughs> okay, <laughs> as soon as I have it read there. <laughs> I'm really excited about it because I've never done something of this scale before because I couldn't. Right, I don't have the technical know-how. I can draw stuff. <laughs> And they're doing all the complicated stuff on the other side of it. So the really compelling part to me is this will be the first like profile pick. It's called a PFP, right? Profile pick collection that will be atomic NFTs. This will be the first of that nature, like ever. So that's pretty wild where the actual images will react based on the attention they get. So it won't be just a static image that's one that's just done the way it is. It will it can potentially change over time. Not all of them will, of course, right? Only some of them will, depending on their rarity. I, I, again, this is like <laughs> the, that that feeling, the the possibilities of it, and and the thing that this is just beginning. And mm -hmm. you're telling me that this okay, yeah, we can do that. Uh, that's just insane. <laughs> it me. is insane. Yeah. The coolest part to me is you can move that NFT around. Like it'll be dynamic on Koi. Like it'll get attention-based tokens. Now, if you shift it back over to somewhere else, of course, then it doesn't have that attention-based element to it. So that's going to be the motivation to bring it over to the Koi network. Right? So that that's the, that's the whole appeal of it is to make it so it is dynamic. And something that, that I was thinking about is that uh, I watch a, a lot what the creative industry in Japan does because uh, I'm a weeb who like, like anime and I've mm -hmm. seen like, uh, I, I do think they have problems in the animation industry over there on how they manage things. Okay. And when I saw NFTs, I thought like, wow, like this, this could bring a lot of solutions to that. So for example, hmm. the idea uh, that I had in mind and I think it is possible is that, uh, well, in, in Japan, they usually uh, try to measure the success of a series based on the sales of a Blu-rays mm -hmm. and DVDs. And the thing is that they have this, because nobody's like, uh, there is a lot of people who are not buying this anymore because we have a streaming, right? Sure. Obviously just the biggest fans are buying that. And so, for example, I've seen that uh, 500 cells or something like that is like meh, uh, mediocre, something, something like that. But 600 to uh, 900 cells are like a good thing, and mm -hmm. that will bring the people to say, okay, let's do season two, right? Of a series, and 1,000 to uh, 1,300 uh, cells that's like really good. 2000 is like wow like massive success and and when whenever they blow up the cells beyond those numbers that's insane to them like that massive success mm. but if you think uh, uh when it comes to cells in the internet and especially now seeing the <laughs> the craziness of all like uh again mechaverse had like 8888 <laughs> uh, megas yep. and they sold like in two days <laughs> right and um, so 
when you put it that way, it's like thinking, I was thinking, okay, so what if we put the disk models into the NFT model and mm -hmm. that people can buy the digital version of the, mm -hmm. and having that token uh, to this thing, like, hey, we have made, uh, I don't know, this much Blu-rays and there will be this much special editions, like 100 special editions with extra illustrations from the from the creators and now with the smart contracts we can put like okay the main creator of this uh, of this uh, anime of this history uh, they are going to get like a, a percentage of all the sales from that and we can distribute it to all the people involved right uh, so well uh, I think that's we, the key point that you're you make there that's really important for people to understand is that NFTs open up a source of revenue for the creators that was normally they get this little bit here and the company that they're working with gets this much of the share, right? Whereas now I, I, I've talked to a lot of people who work with, you know, animation companies and so forth, but they're making NFTs on their own time and they're getting all the revenue from it. They're not getting just this little percentage, right? And so it opens up that ability to sell directly to your fans, right? Because you can just create the work yourself and sell it directly to them rather than being kind of having to be under the umbrella of some huge company or whatever, right? So like when I'm making NFTs, I just make whatever I feel like making. And if someone likes it, awesome, right? And then I sell it, right? Or I don't sell it, right? I mean, it's not like I have sold all of my NFTs. I have plenty that I never sold, but there's a lot of freedom to it for creators as opposed yeah. to having to go through some big, agency of some sort or company of some sort that allows you to have this little percentage of the work exactly and, and the reward. thing is that that i see that the people who enjoy the series and these creations like they usually want to support the creators mm -hmm. like that that's the number one priority like they wish that money will go to the creator mm -hmm. so i i do think that yeah sure uh there is a streaming and there is a lot of people who wouldn't buy blu-rays and dvds and things like that mm -hmm. but if you have like this thing announced like hey each sale of this is like the, the creator is going to profit and each time you you sell this nft to another person like you i don't well, know and it's collectible right yeah and and, and imagine yeah. And, and this is the other effect that i don't think creators have thought through which is like the special editions, they tend to go mm -hmm. up in price uh, as time goes by. And the thing is that, that you can, thanks to the NFT system, you can measure that like the stock market. So these mm -hmm. pieces can go up in price and you can see how much they are going in price. And obviously they can become collector, collector editions. Uh, for example, Demon Slayer, who has become like number one success uh, of, mm -hmm of all time in, in the anime industry, if they had like 100 uh, special editions of the Blu-ray, the movie in in NFTs, like those special editions will go up in price mm -hmm. really fast. And each time somebody will buy this special edition that at a higher price, like the creator will still be getting uh, paid for that. Right. And let's yeah. say we can put like all the animators who work into this movie into some sort of, okay you will have like this share so this this amount of number of nfts and every time somebody was uh, is selling that thing you're going to get paid as well so everybody mm -hmm. involved can get a part of it 
Totally, uh, so yeah. everybody wins. And well, yeah, like I, I created a piece a while ago on known, known origin is one of the platforms I'm on. And I created, uh, it was one of my first ones that I did with this cube pop style I was talking about. And it was a picture of LeBron James. It's just called LeBron. And um, I sold it. I was really happy. It was about $1,000, which is great, right? Like that's, I mean, wow, right? About two weeks later, someone bought it on the secondary market for $8,000. Now, somebody might say, oh man, you missed out. You could have made $8,000. And I was like, what are you talking about? I made, I made royalties, right? When that second sale happened, I just automatically, because of the smart contract, got a 10% royalty sent to me. And they're like, yeah, but that's not as much as that second buyer. I'm like, no, you have to think longer term, right? Because now that person who has it, maybe they're going to sell it. And I'm going to get 10% again into perpetuity. I can hand those that blockchain wallet down to my kids. And they could be making royalties from it. Like the royalties thing is such a huge element for creators that they've never enjoyed in the past like this. Because initial, original, if you make a painting and you sell it, that's over with. You're not getting any kind of royalties from that, right? Now you can. The other thing you were mentioning is about collectibles. Now, say you do have that rare special edition Blu-ray, right? You have it in your house somewhere, right? And maybe your friends come over and you go, hey, check it out. I got this special edition Blu-ray, right? But if it's an NFT, it's not just, you know, two or three friends coming over to your house that can see that you have this, right? The entire world can see, check it out. I have this really rare, cool thing right? It's just the scale is so huge. It's global, right? Not only as a creator, but as a consumer, I can sell my work or buy works from anyone anywhere in the world. It's just such a huge expansion of that market. Especially if you take into the account that dynamic that you just talked to that you're creating at this moment, like, yeah, you mm -hmm. can show the world and you can get ben uh, like you can get benefits and tokens and more like you can win more from just the people seeing it. Mm -hmm. Well, and there's, you know, we collecting is a human behavior. Yes. Right. We collect. Some people collect things that others look at and go, why would you collect that? And they can't think of the good reason for it. But for that person, there's a good reason. For one person, it might be comics. Uh, my grandparents were Dutch. They collected spoons. I don't know if you've ever heard of this. It's a Dutch thing. People collect like spoons from different places in the world. And you might go, why do you do that? But they had some kind of connection to the place that they were where they'd buy this spoon and they would keep it as like a memento, right? Is there a logical reason to buy spoons? No. Is there a logical reason why they should have some kind of monetary value as a collectible? Well, there is if people agree that there is, right? The value of a collectible is just purely dependent upon the person who holds it and the person who wants to buy it. And that's what gives it value. So NFTs are no different. They're just a different way that people can collect, but they're a much more visible way that you can show your collection because literally anyone in the world can see it. And how do you think it's going to impact the crowdfunding industry? Because I do, like I don't think it's being used that way right now, 
I'm not sure. I could be wrong. Uh, but Sorry, which industry did you say? The crowdfunding, like Kickstarter, mm. Indiegogo, Patreon, things like that. Uh, I, I don't think, uh, at least I haven't found any any project that is being used that way at the moment. But uh, the way I'm thinking is like this dynamics can definitely replace that. And, and or at least now, work alongside it. I mean, maybe eventually yeah. it does replace it. But it's another avenue. Right? Like yeah. you talk about the special editions, not everybody's going to want a special edition. Yeah, Somebody, but... Some people will be happy with streaming, right? And some people, like with music as well, right? You can't, there is music you can buy that's an NFT, but it's a limited edition. Maybe it's unique in some way, right? Most people are just going to stream it like on Spotify or whatever, right? But the real fans will be able to collect that that piece of whatever history it is of that particular artist. So I think it's just another avenue. And yeah, I mean, collecting is, there's no logic to collecting. I mean, maybe it comes from our survival instinct to gather things and accumulate things. Possibly. And there is there is something that I, I'm seeing right now as well, is that uh, these camps in the crypto world, they are becoming like, really good like incredibly good i think that people have to have uh be careful a little bit about that because mm -hmm. it is amazing about what you say that yeah you have the power like there is no middleman uh, there's nobody controlling it that this is something uh, we have been talking about the benefits of this that okay yeah i can keep collecting this uh this fees from uh, into eternity and give this to my kids and my kids to my grandkids, but at the same time, uh, since everything falls into you, like if you make a mistake, uh, and I saw this case of a, of a girl that was posting it on Twitter because mm -hmm. she was warning it to other people. Now, it was just, she wasn't a noob. Uh, she has been into NFTs and crypto since 2007, mm -hmm. but that day she was tired. Uh, apparently i don't know what happened that day but she was mentally tired and she got like a notification from the mechaverse collection in discord mm -hmm. and click it and pretty much sync her metamask wallet and 16 uh, uh yeah. crypto punks were stolen and some ethereum as well so she lost about uh six million dollars from that one mistake wow uh, and, and again, like, uh, uh, this is, I think, uh, the, the part that we also need to be talking about that, uh, yes, you have everything, you have full control of everything, but that's sometimes, that means that if you make one mistake, that's enough to, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, to, to make, like, a huge mistake. <laughs> I think we'll see innovations there. I think we'll see custody services in the future. You know, like, there's no way banks aren't getting in on all this stuff, Yeah. right? You know, so it's only a matter of time, you know, and I'm not, I think, you know, banks have a use. Like, I think a lot of the things they've done are, you know, corrupt, but yeah. <laughs> they do have a purpose, right? Like, you know, before banks, what did you do with your money is stuck it under a mattress, right? Kind of thing, right? And, you know, I've, I do expect there will be custody services where you would entrust these things to be stored safely and maybe they'd be insured. You know, like you could talk about hardware wallets. Hardware wallets are important. They're good to have. It's good to have a hardware wallet. But some of those scams, 
will not protect you even if you have a hardware wallet because you're giving over your your information that they can then access that anyway. So a lot of the scams are social engineering. They're basically tricking you into trusting them. Right? That might do. <laughs> right? Yeah, it's good. Uh, problem being, of course, when you do have a hardware wallet, it can sometimes give you a false sense of security because you can feel like, oh, well, this is totally safe. But if you give up your seed phrase, it doesn't matter, right? If you do the little permission on your wallet for an, an approve, you know, a transaction, and you don't understand what that transaction is, the money's still gone, right? Like, so there are tricks that happen even with you have a, a hardware wallet that you need to be really savvy. Discord's probably one of the biggest ones where you can get private messages in it and they can they can make it look like there's some support team or they're there to help you and they're very good at tricking you. I get messages all the time on Instagram and stuff. Hey, you know, we'd like to commission you to do blah, blah, blah. And then it's all a trick to get you to give over your information. Uh, it is, yeah, it's a big problem. It is a big problem. Yeah, because right now, uh, uh, at, this, at this moment, as I understand, there is no service or something that you can use so that you can uh, pretty much ask for a refund from that or a Right, no, there is, <laughs> there is no such thing. And I mean, uh, ultimately, you wouldn't be able to get a refund necessarily, but if there were, say, and I'm sure there's companies working on this that I'm just not aware of. If you were to say entrust your custody of, let's say your crypto to a bank of some sort, right? And they could insure it, you would at least recover a portion of it through the insurance, right? So obviously the actual crypto that you had lost would be gone, right? If the bank lost it. Yeah, but the thing that I like about crypto and especially the smart contracts is that uh, you can set it up so for example if the bank is working it it, it works eventually with integrating these things mm -hmm. like they will behave the way they have to behave right so that they can for example if if the government were to use bitcoin or the banks were to integrate bitcoin they cannot print more bitcoin right they can print derivatives and they can do stuff to manipulate things, but they can't make more Bitcoin. Exactly. So, so that's the thing that it, uh, makes me a little bit more hopeful because even if they do integrate it eventually, and I think they will, <laughs> or they will be the next world boxers. They have to in the future. They can't yeah, avoid they, it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. JP Morgan just came out a couple of days saying that they believe that Bitcoin is a better uh, bet uh, to fight uh inflation that even gold and that they mm -hmm. are working now in to integrate the services we don't know what the services will be but they are working now mm -hmm. to integrate into some services and this jp morgan this is, is like, the same people that were saying it was all a fraud in 2017 yeah, so exactly <laughs> and, and and but but I, again like this is not uh some youtuber or something like, like this is the number one uh, biggest bank in the u.s was saying yeah I, I saw there that also there was a a bank in france i don't remember the name uh but they pretty much uh did a loan of 20 million dollars mm -hmm. the deal was that they were going to be paid back in crypto mm -hmm. and it was like the uh, very first transaction in the DeFi protocol which i i won't go <laughs> into that world uh, into this episode <laughs> because it's 
explaining a lot more, but again, like the banks are starting to see like, uh, we better get on this thing or we're going to be out of business soon. <laughs> I think there's a lot going on there that they haven't said too, right? I really, I mean, there's no way that they are just leaving it and hoping it goes away. It's, it's obvious. It's no, at this away. point, I don't think, yeah, yeah, I don't think anybody believes that it's going to, yeah. to go away. <laughs> I mean, look at uh, El Salvador, right? Yeah. I mean, it's only a matter of time that, you know, four or five, six other countries go, oh, okay, we should do that too. Well, yeah, Ukraine already made it legal. So Where's that? that? Ukraine? Ukraine did? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Ukraine did. They, and Brazil apparently is thinking hard about it. So we'll mm -hmm. see some news soon. Uh, hopefully yeah. they are good ones. Yeah. So yeah. Are you talking about when you say legal, you mean like it's not legal tender though, like it is in El Salvador, right? Uh, I think they are thinking about it. In that. Ukraine or in Brazil? No, in, in, in Ukraine, they already did it. It's legal tender. Yeah. Really? I yeah. did not know that. Huh. It, it came out like the news came out like a couple of days after El Salvador. But... Did it? I totally missed that. Yeah. Wild. And now Brazil is thinking of doing the same. Okay. Brazil, that's huge. I mean. Yeah. The, uh, I mean, the, my country is like very small person in the population. <laughs> Which country is that? El Salvador. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, although I was in crypto before that happened, so okay, okay. For me, so are you in El Salvador now? Yeah. So what's I'm very curious. What's that been like in terms of your experience? I mean, it's all using uh, Lightning Network wallet, I think, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much. And I think that the press, is, like, I like the idea, uh, but again, I I think the the execution was a little bit messy because I would guess the so. way of the the way he sold it to the people, uh, the idea, it wasn't the best idea. To, like there is a lot of people over here who do not have like the smartphones or anything like that. Who sure. Are, like new when it comes to technology, and trying to initially he was like trying to put it like mandatory that everybody, like absolutely everybody, had to use that, so that got like. Uh, be it for a negative reaction was saying a lot. <laughs> I would guess so. <laughs> and and again, uh, there is a, a lot of people who were saying like there were all the problems that were more important, although they they didn't understand that, for example, if the predictions come true that the Bitcoin comes to uh, be worth 100k or more at the end of this year, then whatever he put up when he was. 40,000 is going to be doubled. <laughs> so, yeah, I've been saying that for about two years now that by the end of this year, by the end of 2021, that would be yeah. over 100K. So I'll be very proud if I'm right because that was a long-term guess. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I think a lot of people believe that it's happened. And, and seeing all the good news worldwide that has been happening yeah, in yeah. Bitcoin, I do think we're going to be seeing it. Uh, and the bullish one says that it's going to go to 200K, but... Who knows? <laughs> Who knows, right? I made a $10 bet with my son. <laughs> I said it's going to be over 100K by the end of the year. And he's like, no, I'll bet you 10 bucks. I'm like, 10 bucks, what do I care if it's over 100K, you know? So, <laughs> so. yeah, I, I do think it's going to happen that way. So the, the way I see it is like, look, if, if we put like a lot, and he made like a $205 million uh, loan, Mm -hmm. And those two hundred and five million dollars, he wants to put it all into Bitcoin. Oh wow! But he hasn't done it yet because he wants. I think he's waiting for that big win, 
so that mm -hmm. he can show the people like, hey, we just invested like $22 million and now that's has uh, that money has become double of that or more than double of that. You uh, gotta buy the dip though. You can't wait. You can't wait until it goes uh, yeah. Up. I, I'm like from my point of view, it's like, what the fuck are you waiting for? Like, just put the two hundred millions now. <laughs> I expect terrible. another crash yet, though. I expect the crash in November sometime, maybe oh, late but, October. Yeah, I think there he, will be one. Right now, he has uh, announced that he's going. <laughs> not to financial advice. <laughs> yeah, definitely. This is not financial advice. So, yeah. Uh, do your research. Uh, talk to <laughs> whoever you want to talk to before you use the money. But uh, now he has announced that because. Uh, through the ER news he has made already through Bitcoin, he's going to be building a, a veterinary hospital that is public mm. and it will be the first one in, into this country. Uh, wow. Again, people are reacting uh, negatively and kind of with reason because it's like there are other needs <laughs> that are right. urgent. Sure. But again, well, let's let's leave that aside. Yeah. But yeah, I, I believe that now Bitcoin is starting to like get to the other point because people have realized mm -hmm. that oh shit like i can like when bitcoin is high i can use this app that they have given me right converting it to dollars and then when it comes down put it into bitcoin and then sure. when it comes up, so let me ask I, you though are there people actually buying yes. stuff at stores with their bitcoin because that oh. to me would be like a lot of people would rather not spend it right uh, at the beginning, there were many because okay. they were just like, ah, it's 30 dollars, I'm going to buy whatever. Right. And so there were a lot of people who went to the ATMs and got yep. the 30 dollars. Took out, out 30 bucks. Yeah. And that was it. And they're done with it. There were many other people who just went to have some dinner or something like that and pay with it. Uh, mm -hmm. So there, there was a lot of that. At the beginning, the first weeks, like everybody just wanted to, to waste those 30 dollars. Okay. I think that most of the people are like, uh, thinking I made a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's like the average like income of a person in El Salvador? Like what, what's $30 to a person in El Salvador? Uh, the average income will be about 300 to $400. Like if okay. you have uh, an income of... So $30 is a good chunk of money then. Yeah, for many it is. And, yeah. and I know people now who are doing like spending two hours a day like seeing the markets go up and down and doing that swap and they are getting extra $100 a week. Okay. So that's huge. That's a lot. That's, yeah. that's a lot for them. Well, and see, that's the thing about it, like back to NFTs, is it's that global market, right? Like, you know, I know people who live in India or in um, other parts of the world where, you know, if you're selling an artwork for like $1,000, like that's enough to live for quite a while. Right. So for creators who want to get into it and give it a shot, like who knows, like you could have some success and it could be a really good source of income. Right. Like I, I admit myself, I was so obsessed with it. I was doing drawing like two, three hours a day anyway after work. So why not make NFTs? Right. Like that's the other part of it is if you're not enjoying it, it's probably not going to be, you know, successful. Right. You know, you have to be, it has to be something that you really enjoy doing, right? But that's probably true for anybody with any job, right? Definitely. So it opens up a lot of opportunities for people in markets that, um, because now you have access to buyers who have a lot of money, frankly. Yeah. And, and again, like uh, what you say, there is this change of what it means, uh, like 
getting those extra two hundred dollars uh, to mm -hmm. every like El Salvador has become like really expensive to live. But if you go to let's say for example to Guatemala, like right next okay. to us, uh, -huh. uh that's a very cheap place to live. Like one hundred dollars over there, that's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot. <laughs> okay. Like uh one hundred dollars over here, yeah, it's a lot for a lot of people, but it's not going to be as much as it is in Guatemala or mm -hmm. Honduras or Nicaragua. Or but like if that. you're going there with your Bitcoin wallet and you go to Guatemala, are you going to find people there that are going to accept that? No, but again, like the, this this thing allows you to put it into dollars. Then you get uh, take out uh, the dollars, okay. and when you change those dollars to, uh, I don't remember the name of the the coin in Guatemala, uh, but when you change that, let's say it's pesos. Uh, uh, some sure. somebody's going to murder me with it. Because... <laughs> you say the currency in Guatemala. Yeah, yeah. I I, I forgot. Sorry. I know. Uh, uh, so somewhere in my brain there's the name, but I forgot right now. Should I look it up a second? Quetzales, I think it is. I don't know how to pronounce it. Q U E T Z. Yeah, Quetzales. Quetzal. Yeah, Quetzal. So when you change that dollar to Quetzales, uh, then oh, okay. that's a lot. <laughs> That you okay, get a lot, man. Okay, okay. Hmm. See, uh, I, I would fight that urge to cash it in, though, knowing that it's probably going to double or triple over the next year or two. Maybe yeah, sooner. Exactly. Maybe by the end of this year. I guarantee you the U.S. dollar is not doubling in value. Yeah. <laughs> in the next year. Maybe going half in value. Yeah, definitely. Maybe losing half its value, but it's not doubling in value. Yeah, that that's the main reason that I decide. I think that that's the reason that many people jump into crypto right now. It's like mm -hmm. because they were seeing how good the dollar was doing, <laughs> and it's, they were like, "Yeah, inflation is nuts." Right ah, now. yeah. Like there, yeah. there was this argument. You know, I I know some people from Argentina who are mm -hmm. into Bitcoin, and everybody you know is informed about uh, fluctuations in prices and how unstable it is and, mm -hmm. and the argentinian people that say like uh, I, i'm used to to volatility like yeah I'm yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Going to do this just that my coin does this <laughs> exactly does that yes i'm rather going to that direction <laughs> totally well that's the thing we take for granted in north america is we look at something like bitcoin and we go oh it's so volatile compared to the dollar but it's like yeah but in a lot of parts of the world that currency is the local currencies are way more volatile or they collapse to nothing sometimes right yeah right so. in latin america there is a lot of people right now jumping into the axie infinity game and mm -hmm. actually making a living out of that right right so there's that it's, uh, but yeah i don't think this uh, for to me this world is just insane and mm -hmm. to think that it's just a starting I cannot imagine how things will like once we start mixing this thing up with virtual reality and uh, and the headsets become lighter and mm -hmm, more mm -hmm. people can use it. Like, yeah, man, things are. I would say, like for for your listeners, if a lot of them are, you know, going, ah, oh, this is way too expensive. I can't create on Ethereum because it is expensive. Like, for example, I haven't been minting anything for the past week because just to mint a single or NFT on Ethereum right now is between 50 and 100 dollars us just to mint a piece i mean i'm not guaranteed to sell it okay well that's a lot of money for for the average person anywhere 
but especially in some countries, right? But if you do look at alternatives, like for example, one of the more affordable alternatives is Tezos. You could be a creator on the Tezos blockchain, T-E-Z-O-S, and uh, there's a, a marketplace there called Hick at Nunk um, that a creator could create on there. Hick at Nunk, it's kind of a Latin word. I think it means here and now. I think um, there's also the Solana network now, Solana, uh, solarts.io yeah. and... Yeah. And what, what, well, and I should plug the Koi network too. The Koi network, K-O-I-I dot network. If you go there, you can get a wallet for free and there's a free faucet. You can get free Koi tokens and you can mint your work there. They're just new though. There's not even really a real marketplace yet. That's all being built still. But um, yeah, there's lots the of Cardano, opportunities. And the Cardano mm -hmm. uh, environment is being developed right now. That's going to come up. That's probably going yeah. to be free as well. And yeah. there is the Immutable X project. I don't know if you have seen it, mm -hmm. but that's pretty much using Ethereum, but it's, it's not doing any gas fees. And right. also it's, on another it's, layer. it's being like uh, instant, uh, instant transaction. So that's yeah. another option as well. Yeah. And I think that'll happen over time. Like if you look at Bitcoin and Ethereum, they will be the base layers right? But then yep. you'll have all this stuff running on top of them that runs for much cheaper, right? And the speed of texting somebody. So Yeah, and, and the Immutable X uh, technology, uh, TikTok has made a partnership with them. So the NFT... Is that right? Okay. Yeah, so the NFT is... They are going to have... TikTok wants to have their own NFT environment. Okay. And it's going to be based on that technology. And also, uh, it, it appears, I saw the news over there, that... Uh, uh, what is the Op OpenSea uh, has made mm -hmm. as well a, a partnership with Immutable X, so they are going okay. to add their, their network as well, so people can use OpenSea and use the Immutable X network, and that way they awesome. don't have to, to pay gas fees. So I, I'm I'm really looking into that token, man. Like the the day IMX comes up in public, and I want to go all in on that because I think that's going to explode. If TikTok's on it, that's a pretty major endorsement. Yeah, yeah, definitely. See, that's the funny thing is I don't actually keep up with the crypto news like I used to because I'm too busy drawing stuff. So I don't... It used to be that I would be looking at this news every day, but now I don't as much. Yeah, right now I'm I'm in the phase of learning, so I'm mm -hmm. devouring everything. And I, right. I, I, I read really fast, like really, okay. really fast for much people. Like... I'm reading, uh, I can read about uh, 1,200 words per minute. So for what? example, so <laughs> okay, just in, a, just in this year, I have read uh, 63 books and that's non-related <laughs> to crypto. And, okay. and now I'm thinking like, man, I need to read faster because <laughs> I can't I'm get not, it all in in time. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't get it all in. Like there is so much, I want to learn so much and, and, and there's not enough time to do it. <laughs> so you're really in that rabbit hole. Yes, cool. I, I'm deep right now. <laughs> yeah, it, but yeah, it's really fun. Definitely, it, it is, it is. Yeah. So is there anything else? Uh, it's been an hour already. So, is there anything else that we haven't talked about that you would like to mention uh, before we end the interview? Uh, I think you know what. I think it's just it's a good time if you are a creator who's contemplating getting into this stuff to start looking into it. There's great places you can go to learn about it. Uh, one of them that I like is a person who I had on my podcast, 
she uh, has a website, NFT Ignition is her name. She has a website called nftbasics.com. And, you know, I was thinking of doing something myself like that, but then I saw hers and I'm like, why? Like, it would just be redundant. She's covered everything. So it's a good website uh, as a source of information. Um, plugging myself, you know, I'm an artist on Known Origin. If you look for Decline on Known Origin, I'd love to have more people looking at my work there. Um, but you can start places like, you know, OpenSea is great if you want to dabble with it. On OpenSea, you can create an account, which costs a bit of money to do. I think it's between $50 and $100. But then after that, if you, once you've minted your first piece, you can mint as many as you want for free uh, with their lazy minting system. So that's another way you can do it that's not too costly. Nice. But yeah, I'm really excited to see how this develops because mm -hmm. I think... Uh, the next few years are going to be key uh, mm -hmm. for everybody who who is serious about being an artist and living from uh, their own art. Mm -hmm. And I do believe that the people who go deep into this and understand this environment in the next two years will have a huge advantage over everybody else who doesn't know about this in the next 10 to 15 years. Mm -hmm. And just a, as a little note, uh, just to close this, uh, I think that the number of people who are into Bitcoin and, well, in crypto in general, is around 100 million people right now in the world. Okay. There is 7.9 billion people in, in the planet. That yeah. means this is just and, and just users in Bitcoin. That's 100 million. So that's 1.26 percent of the world population. And that is that assuming that every address is a unique user because no, no, I know that, a lot that, of crypto that, have like twenty addresses. No, no, no. That's like that. That's the unique users in Bitcoin right now. Okay. Who, who are holders in Bitcoin? So the thing is, so that, it might be less than that, is what I'm saying. Yeah, it, it possibly it's less than that. So the thing is that this is if this number is real and this is just unique people, that is still one point twenty six percent of humanity. And mm -hmm. most of people who know about Ethereum and Bitcoin and are investing these coins, most of them do don't know, still don't know anything about NFTs, right? Let alone crypto yes. gaming. So that the, the percentage of people who are active in NFTs as intense as this is seen right now, <laughs> uh, uh, as it looks right now, and active as it looks right now, the, the number of people who are into this is very, very, very small. Very small. Yes. So the people who are getting into it right now and understand it and start using <coughs> it will have like uh, an exponential, exponential growth yep. and it's an exponential advantage over over everybody who does it it's still early it's still early yeah a lot of people feel like oh look ethereum's like you know three thousand dollars or whatever it's too late it's not too late because you, you can buy a little bit you can buy a hundred bucks worth 50 bucks worth right yeah <clears throat> so you don't have middle. to start with like fifty thousand dollars or something crazy sorry i feel uh, tickle in my throat yeah no problem uh i was looking even <coughs> into the predictions that uh fidelity investments made about bitcoin and for those who do not know fidelity investments is like this number two biggest uh investment first in the u.s they handle mm -hmm. 4.7 trillion dollars in, in assets so it's not small and they did a presentation to their clients 
and the map that they have uh, gotten using the model of a stock to flow that is a model for analyzing Bitcoin is that they think that Bitcoin will get to 100 million this year. 100 uh, one, million? Sorry, sorry 100,000. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Then okay. 1 million for the bull run in, in 2025. So every four to five years wow. there is a bull run. So just so you know. And then 10 millions for the 2030 and 100 millions for 2035. <laughs> well, I mean, that's a ways out, but wow. Yeah, and the reason why they believe that is because of the number of users there are in right now, because mm -hmm. they they are comparing the growth curve, the, mm -hmm. the growth curve uh, of technology compared to the other ones, like how how uh, much time did it took to Facebook to get a long a lot of users and the internet and fax right. machines and VHAs and all that stuff. So it seems that crypto and Bitcoin is like the fastest uh, technology being adapted by all people yeah and the users are being uh, they're becoming the double number every year mm -hmm. so it, usually the curve follows like a, an s where it slows down at the middle and then it keeps going up and for the first slowdown i think they are planning it for 2038 so if <laughs> this is the price of Bitcoin right now with 100 million users, which is 1.26% of the population, imagine what it's going to be with 4 billion users. In and there the only world. ever will be 21 million Bitcoin, yeah. right? In the world. Probably so. that's considering yeah, the, there's already plenty that are gone. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, a lot of people who drop out there, who forgot their password, who yep. dropped their hard drive and forgot that they had their wallet there yep. uh, like totally yeah very sure. sad cases <laughs> mm -hmm. yep. but still you're early the point is you're early and if yep. if that model is true that means that for every 50 dollars that people put right now into bitcoin they will be getting more than uh eighty seven thousand dollars by 2035. see so for that... a lot of people that just sounds too far away do you know what yeah. i mean like most people for me, you that's know. my retirement plan. <laughs> okay. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Exactly. For me, that's my retirement plan because retirement in El Salvador sucks. And I never. Yeah. Okay. I, <laughs> I, hear I pretty you. much okay. went into entrepreneurship because I wanted to secure my retirement. Yeah. So makes sense. Else. For sure. That's awesome. Well, but it's been a pleasure having you, Declan. Uh, man. It, this is crazy and i really really thank you that you took some time uh, i know that you're very busy and i really thank you that you took some time to explain to us what uh, nfts are how how it's been implemented and pretty much creating a lot of our doubts right now thank you very much it was really fun talking with you okay so if people want to follow you where will be the best place to do so uh my main place that i promote my work on is twitter so on there i'm at at underscore decline and decline is spelled d-k-l-e-i-n-e -E. so that'd be the main place to follow me um you can also find me on OpenSea and known origin and rarible foundation mostly i meant my work on known origin and i'm also working with koi network now got it. i will put all the links into the description of this interview below and awesome yeah uh 
make sure that you go directly to those links because again there are a lot of people impersonating others the scams mm -hmm. are really good right now in social media so yep. Yeah, and I'm not big enough to have the blue check mark on Twitter yet. So yeah, so <laughs> I, I will put the link, the official links, in the middle of this interview. Thanks a lot again, Declan. Thank being you. Here. Uh, so this has been the last episode of the Creative Hustle Show. If you like it, please click the like button below. Or if you're hearing this in the podcast, then subscribe to our podcast so you can be notified when the next episode comes up. Until next time. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Creative Hustler Show. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If so, don't forget to share and subscribe. For more info, check out www.brainfreakstudio.com. See you in the next episode.